All right, leadheads, I'm going to have to apologize on the front end, and I hate doing this, but uh, my microphone through this interview wasn't turned on, so it recorded through the computer, and I apologize for the sound quality, but I think you're still going to like the content, so here we go. Episode 110 of Talking Lead. I'm your host, Left Hand from the Hood. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Dave Moore. Hey, guys. What's up? Welcome back. Rocking it with us again this week. Dave, thanks for joining us again, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me on once again. Between now and last week, it's been a busy week for me. I tried to get you to take part, but uh, you know, you had some other things come up. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm uh, I'm really regretting it, to be honest with you. Well, I told you you would, and you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. So as we talked about last week, I went to the machine gun shoot hosted by Asymmetric Technologies in Ohio, and it was phenomenal. They had just about every kind of full auto machine gun that you can think of there to shoot. And what the impressive thing was about it was, it was all this one gentleman's collection <laughs> that he had. They were all privately owned uh, machine guns. They had uh, Browning automatic rifles. They had MAC-10 suppressed. They had Uzis. They had Crinks, M16s. They had a Glock 18. Actually it, was a, actually, it was a modified Glock 17 is what it was. Well, same thing. Yeah. It had that little thing in the back that makes it go rat tat 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 they had the Thompson submachine gun, they had the Mark 46 saw, had PKM, and they had the awesome Browning 1919. Man. They had drones. Uh, it was it was awesome. They had this drone, it was called an MD-1000, which is a German-made, uh, it's one of those four prope- propeller drones. Probably, you know, as big around as, you know, you couldn't get your arms around it. It wasn't super huge, but, uh, I mean, it was big enough. And they had a little um, FLIR infrared camera, and they were flying it around, videoing uh, all the the gunfire from the from the machine guns. And, oh, by the way, there was a Barrett 50 Cal on oh, site, too. Of <laughs> yeah, rub it in, rub it in. <laughs> yeah, we got to shoot many, many rounds through that also. Uh, and what was cool with that drone is as they were filming, he he put it on the steel target and the kinetic energy that that 50 caliber round was producing when it would hit that AR-500 steel was just unbelievable. Yeah. I'm getting a clicky click from you. Are you? 
still happening? No, I got it. All right, I I just won't won't touch it. Okay, don't touch that. <laughs> Stop well, touching touch that, Dave. All right. <laughs> that that's what they keep telling me, but I never listen. Yeah, so I was there with with our buddies from BSO Gun Channel. Spectre was there with his crew, and he's already dropped one of the videos on his channel, kind of a little teaser video. And the guys that uh, set this whole thing up, Asymmetric Technologies, which they are also the producers of the ASP, the artificial artificial shoulder pocket, who is, again, this year going to sponsor Talking Lead at SHOT Show. So looking forward to that. Tusker Arms was the name of the company that provided the full auto uh, guns, ammo, everything. I've got a lot of video footage, so I'm going to be dropping some videos here in the next uh, few days, weeks as well. So keep an eye on VSO Gun Channel and Talking Lead's YouTube channel for those videos. Uh, all, all of the guns at that event were all privately owned by one guy? Yeah, this one guy owned... And there was, there was, oh my gosh. So, I mean, he, he even had this, this old German gun. I mean, it's like once in a lifetime opportunity that you get to shoot this thing. It was an MP40. Uh, I was referring to it as the grease gun, which I think I was incorrectly calling it the grease gun. But uh, the MP40, if you're a Call of Duty fan, uh, it, isn't that one that you could use in the zombie um, yeah, yeah. I was one. Well, I never played the zombie ones, but uh, I think it it's on. It's like one of the guns you could use on there. Yeah, it was one of the choices back in the uh, in the World War II version of zombies. Uh, back in the day when I used to play that all the time, that was my gun of choice. <laughs> but it was it was really cool to shoot. It's very controllable. The fire rate on it was it you know, so fast that it sneaks up on you and, you know, you get that real quick rise like you do with like, you know, maybe an Uzi or something like that. Uh, it was, it was very rhythmic and, and controllable, but it was, it was a joy to shoot that. The Mac 10 suppressed was, I mean, it was just like quicker than, than I have sex. You know, it was <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that that's quicker than me uh, at sex is, is the Mac 10 uh, dumping <laughs> a Mac. But that thing was sweet. I love shooting that. And, you know, of course, an Uzi is always a pleasure to shoot. But I mean, there were so many guns. He probably had, I mean, there was at least 20 or more different fully automatic rifles. And then, you know, the Glock, the handgun that he had there. And he had a couple of, of semi-autos. He had a couple of FNs. And uh, there was that HK... It's that like grayish color one that they've got now with the big red HK on the buttstock. HK G36 rifle. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he had an HK G36 there. Uh, I mean, my head's still swimming from that. It was so much fun. Cool thing about it was um, Brian, the owner of Asymmetric Technologies, uh, originally set this up as a thing for his brother for his birthday. And, you know, he was just going to have a few you know, guns. And the more, he, I guess the more he started planning it, the bigger it grew. And so he decided to invite, you know, some more family, more friends, colleagues to come out to it. And it's probably going to turn into an annual event. Awesome. Yeah. You, you missed a good time, man. I told you, you should, you should have come. You were my plus one. You let me down. <laughs> I apologize for that. That is, uh, that is my fault. My sincerest apologies. That's okay. We'll let it slide this time. 
So what did you do uh, instead of going to the machine gun shoot? What was so important that you couldn't go to the shoot with me? Oh, well, uh, well, as far as what I did with guns, I'm glad you asked that because I really haven't done a whole lot. So I kind of, uh, but I have been this past week. I, I have been reviewing a, uh, a new mag carrier for maybe not reviewing, but just using, putting it through its paces and making sure that it will work for me. And which one would that be? It is the Alpha Concealment Single Mag Carrier. Okay. Is that like a Velcro kind of thing, or is it a hook and loop? What What is it? It's got the a, a clip on it, and it's basically just a really small compact mag carrier, and it's something that you do not have to thread through your, your belt. Okay. And so it goes I, on your belt, not on your, your rig? Yeah, exactly. It exactly. can go either way. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could clip onto anything that you could really add it to, I guess. But uh-huh. the, the main purpose of it is for either outside the waistband or inside the waistband carry. Really, the main reason I got it was I was looking for a mag carrier that I could just grab and go. Something mm-hmm. that I could grab real quick, toss it on my belt, whether I wanted to or not. Basically, I guess moral of the story is something that I, c- I could grab and uh, not forget or not leave at home because it is a pain to thread through the belt. So you actually care, carry your spare mag when you're, you're uh, concealed carrying on your belt? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right now I'm, I'm actually carrying it inside the waistband pretty much at right beside my, my holster. Okay. And, and I carry the Raven Concealment Eidolon, and it's just right there. Bam. <laughs> since, since we're talking about it, let's do it. EDC check. All right. I'm ready, as always. All right. What do you got? Okay, of course, I have my trusty Glock 19 that I just received. Yeah, your brand new one. My brand new Glock 19, 9 mil, obviously. Mm-hmm. Spare mag and the Alpha Concealment Single Mag Carrier. Brand new once again. The ammo that I use is the, right now it is the 115 grain spear gold dot. That is because the store near me, all they had was 115 grain. But soon I'm going to upgrade to the 124 grain. But regardless, it is spear gold dot because that is a tried and tested round that, that I love. With that, I use the Raven Concealment Eidolon holster. Uh, and in my pocket here, I have a Kershaw knife, little folder, and of course, my Surefire G2X tactical light. Now, which, um, which Kershaw knife is that? This is the Kershaw that has the, uh, uh, the wave feature. So whenever you pull it out of your pocket, it uh-huh. opens. Okay. And off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly what that wave feature is called, but it kind of snags onto the corner of your pocket, and mm-hmm. it just opens. Right. That's like my um, karambit that was sent to me by one of our lead heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, you pull it out, boom, and it automatically. Automatically opens. It's awesome. I love it. Automatically, what's? Deploys. Deploys. Thank you. <laughs> I have trouble with words sometimes, in case you uh, haven't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. Deploys. Uh, last week it was uh, drills. I couldn't come up with drills. It, I said tactics. Seems, seems to be the D words that I have trouble with. But uh, is is that it? Is that everything? Is that your EDC right now? Yeah. I mean, along with my light, uh, my yeah. Surefire G2X. Um, no, no paracord anywhere. 
I have paracord in my bag now. I mean, if we want to get into my my. No, we're just doing on on person carry. Right? Okay, yeah, then yeah. on person that is that that is it. Okay, very cool. I've got my Glock twenty three with the Jason Fannin steel from SDI's stippling of the grip and the trigger, and you know we were talking about that last last week. Yeah, how how we've kind of dremeled out underneath the. Which finger is this called? Middle. The middle finger, yeah. Rest <laughs> underneath the uh, the trigger there to give it a more natural, comfortable seating. Uh, I've got just standard sights on it, standard Glock sights. I'm carrying it. I've got a new holster that I picked up at NRA. Uh, the guys at Blackhawk were kind enough to uh, let me try this out, but it's an appendix carry um, Blackhawk. And I don't know the actual name of it. But it's a Blackhawk, huh? Yeah, but the model number is 2100829. Uh, and it's specifically for a Glock 1923 or 32. Uh, the reason I like this over the other Kydex ones that I have, I mean, it's it's a polymer material, a plastic, but it's, it's softer. It's more flexible. Uh, the retention system on it, I like it a lot better than some of the other clips that I've used. It just seems to, to fit more variety of belts that I have uh, a little better because it's more flexible. Um, and then it's, it, there's a lot less plastic involved with this thing. You can see how, how minimal it is. Yeah. So it's basically just enough to go in and cover the trigger and that's it. You know, if it, for appendix carry, that's, that's all you want. You don't want a whole lot of other material taking up your real estate down in that area. Exactly. Yeah. I've been carrying it ever since the NRA show and I, I really like it. So thanks to the guys over at Blackhawk for that. I guess I should find out what the name of it is. <laughs> the Blackhawk ARC appendix reversible carry IWB holster. Um, so I got that knife. I'm not carrying the Karambit today. I've got one that I got from my dad's knife collection. You know, my dad passed away about five years ago, and he had this really extensive knife collection that I didn't really know how many knives he had. I mean, he had hundreds of knives in this collection. Oh. And I saw this one, it caught my eye, and it's, you know, it's nothing fancy. It's like a $15, $20 knife, but it's made by Frost Cutlery. And I didn't realize this, but they're actually out of Tennessee, Ottawa, Tennessee is where this knife company's out of. And it's called the Flying Falcon, I think is what it's called. Uh, but it's it's a very sturdy, durable, uh, just a flip-out knife that's got the, you know, the little little catch right there when you when you open it up, and then you yeah. just um, release it to, to bring it back down. Yep. Uh, stainless steel, um, but it seems to really hold a, a good sharp blade to it. And then it's got the... Uh, serrations? The serrations down there also, which... Uh, I prefer knives that have the serrations. Oh, you I like, like that, huh? I do. I like the the ability to be able to, you know, to, to saw like that, to cut like that. It just, it gets the job done quicker in some instances. So yeah. it gives you variety, you know. Oh, uh, I was going to say, my thing with knives is I, I tend to like cheaper knives. Um, I like a knife that, you know, if you lose it or, you know, you're at an airport and it, it gets, uh, <laughs> it gets taken away from you. <laughs> You know, you're you're not going to really care. And yeah. basically what I do is I use a knife until it dies. Once the blade goes dull, I put that in a box and I buy a new one. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's just. If it lasts that long, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you don't lose it between now and then. Yeah, <laughs> knives to me are like sunglasses. They serve a purpose. You know, they don't have to be super duper heavy duty expensive. You know, again, I get that remorse when I lose one or something happens to it, I break it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm like, man, I just spent 500 bucks on that thing. So after my, after my like 15th pair of Ray-Bans, I got over buying expensive glasses. I go, you know, grab some at the checkout line at Walmart and, you know, that's my sunglasses. <laughs> or, or uh, as some people are, are saying, they think I'm borrowing my girlfriend's sunglasses in some of the videos that, <laughs> that I've shot lately. I like them. They, they actually, they're like those big bug-eyed ones, you know? Yeah, water bugs. They're, you know, they're huge. But you know they cover your whole face and protect your face. So, hey, and you know, whatever gets, and they were free. So whatever gets the job done, you know that's what I'm for. And if it's free, even better. Yeah. Uh, but on with my EDC check. Uh, I am carrying the Keltec flashlight. Do you no longer use the uh, the Tool Logic? Actually, my Tool Logic <laughs> it was liberated from me. Um, not not that it was stolen, but I had left it. Um, was it at the Iraq vet shoot that I went to and Hank strange has it. <laughs> <laughs> so Hank strange has my tool logic with the flashlight and the rape whistle. <laughs> and, and I'm dying to get it back, but he promises that he is taking very good care of it. And it's supposed to be making some surprise appearances in his videos. I don't, I don't know that I've seen it. We'll, you know, we'll have to keep our eye on that. But the, the Keltec flashlight is the CL, they've got a CL42 and a CL43. Uh, so if you go to their website, you can see their flashlights there. And this thing is bright, man. It's a bright little bitch, huh? Yeah, it, it puts out some, some illumination. And it's compact. I mean, I really like, like the size of it. So the CL42 is more like the weapon-mounted one that you could mount on, and the one I've got is the CL43. Okay. Let me see if it tells me the lumens on here. But my buddy Chad was nice enough to, to hook me up with a couple of these. 420 lumens. Oh, that's plenty. For this thing. 85 bucks. Yeah, you can't beat that. No, not at all. And it's got the, the classic Kel-Tec, you know how their, their grips are on their guns? Yeah, little, yeah, that little pattern. They've got that pattern on their flashlights, also. It's, oh, it's nice. Kind of, it's kind of cool. Uh, and then I've got my uh, Thistle Farms chapstick. <laughs> <laughs> soft lips is always a must. That uh, you gotta have soft lips, man. Yeah. So that's my EDC for the day. I mean, I'm just sitting here at home today. I haven't really been anywhere, so uh, I'm not packing all my my normal stuff. Now, what I was getting into with you on the the magazine carrier is I don't I don't do that. I just put it in my pocket when I'm okay. when I'm EDCing. You know, well, if I'm out on the range going to shoot, then yeah, I like to have one of those handy. Or you know, if I'm going on a bounty hunt or something like that, yeah, then you know I'll have all that rig set up. But just for my normal EDC, I usually uh, keep it in my left pocket. Well, here's a question: Have you ever trained from concealment? reloading with that mag in your yes. pocket. Does yes. it work out fine? Yeah. Does it work for you? Yeah. I mean, I'll, am I as fast or faster than if I had, you know, a clip on there? No. 
uh, when I train, I haven't had any huge issues okay. with, with a mag change on it. But that's the thing. That's the thing. I train to the way I EDC. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. You know, so I'm I'm used to that, and I you know I get into a method. And most of the pants that I wear have like a little cargo thing up front, that mm-hmm. little cargo pocket up front. Yeah, yeah. That that's almost like having a little clip. So it makes it real quick and easy, where I can you know two three finger it out exactly, and pop yeah. it in. For for the way I dress, you know, most of the time with my other business, I just I don't have enough. It's just not comfortable. Yeah. For me to do that. I just I drop it in my in my pocket. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know. This whole, you know, being that it's really nice out now, I had I hadn't really been carrying a a spare mag. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why I wanted to get something that was easy that I could grab if I wanted to. But I mean, for the majority, for the past probably two or three months, I have not been carrying a a spare mag. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, now I have a a a, a quick and easy option. But yeah. I, you know, I hadn't been carrying one in the past. So you, this is the first time you actually, you've been rocking with a mag. Well, no, I mean, holster, the, a mag holster. In in the past, like the past few months, uh, actually, whenever I carried on the hip, I would carry two spare mags. Okay. So I'd, <laughs> I'd, go out, I'd have two spare mags on my right side, my handgun on my left side, and uh, being that it's warmer now. Uh, I'm starting to sweat. I kind of want to wear, you know, some more, uh, some tighter shirts. I decided yeah, to switch yeah. to Been working out a little bit. Want to show off those those guns? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, a little bit. So I, I just kind of guns uh, out, guns out, baby. Oh, it's all about that. <laughs> but you know, I, I I've been uh, just pretty much trying to lighten down my my load, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah, and I think that's what it boils down to me. Also, is I just, I just there's sometimes you can get too much. Yeah. You can. That's what that's what you get the you know the bug out bag for in the truck. If it gets that bad, you need to retreat back to your your vehicle. Yep. yep. <laughs> so carry a carry a gun that's got enough ammo that'll let you fight back to your your truck in your active shooter bag. Yeah. In most cases, you know, of concealed carry, uh, a reload is very rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all cases, but chances of you having to reload are are pretty slim. I mean, it's good to have that spare mag, but it's better to have the gun and carry it all the time. Mm-hmm. Train, train, train. Train, train. Can't train with your gear. All right, so let's get into our jack wagon of the week. Take it away, Gunny. Hey, Ralph, Semper Fi, do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the Talking Lead Jack Wagon of the Week, so brace yourself, baby. So we've got a couple of jack wagons this week. We were kind of debating. We had more. Um, honorable mention, Hillary Clinton, uh, Wash, the Washington Post, uh, and then you've got a good jack wagon. So we'll go ahead and start off with you. Who have you got? All right. Well, recently I have tried to purchase the Confederate flag off of uh, offline where I usually buy all my stuff, and I wanted to, to have it because it is a important piece of you know American history. Mm-hmm. So I go to Amazon. Not because, not because you're a racist. No, 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 not at all. You're pro-slavery. Uh, <laughs> not at all. It is a. Yeah. It is or, a piece or of you're, you know, you want to commit treason against the United States. Nothing like that at all. Okay. Okay. <laughs> of course. All right. Uh, so I try. I try to buy this flag offline, and 
I go to Amazon. There are none on the website. I go sold to out. not sold out, not oh. available. There's so they've available. they've taken them down. They're not allowing the sale of Confederate flags. Not allowing it. They're gone. Interesting. So from there, I figure, okay, whatever. I move on to eBay. Because they're not illegal, from my understanding. No, not. It's not against the law to own a Confederate flag. No, as okay. it shouldn't be. So I, uh, I proceed to my second choice, which is eBay. Type in Confederate flag. And it yields zero results. Not zero results, but it, it yields zero flags. Okay. They are not available on eBay either. Really? I'm, I'm going to test that theory right now. Go ahead. Keep, keep talking. So, yeah, I, I, I tried to buy a Confederate flag, which is a piece of Americana, piece of, of American history. And it seems like the Internet has taken them down. And I don't get it. Well, I mean, you get it. You know why. Yeah, yeah. You know what it is. I it. But yeah. I, it just, it's mind-boggling to me. All right, so I just did it on eBay. I, I searched Confederate flag. So there's a notebook. There's a book? There's a book that says, Why I have Confederate flag? Why why I wave Confederate flag? It's a hell of a title. I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. It, it looks like it's a book. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, new rally around the flag, boys, South Carolina and the Confederate flag. It's a book. All right, so I'm seeing books. I'm sex riding a missile with flag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are gear shift knobs. Okay, nice, nice, nice. Okay, but that's an American flag. It's not a Confederate flag. Um, but do you see any flags, any three by five polyester? No, no, I'm, I'm scanning down, scanning down. There's three pages when I, when I do Confederate flag and all of them are, the majority of them are these gear shift knobs and they're racing flags, American flags, but there's no flag flags. Now do they, can you buy any kind of flag on? Oh, you can buy. Yeah, okay, so over on the right-hand side, there's there's an American flag over here you can get. There's a South Carolina sovereignty flag. Yeah, so there's flags you can buy. There's just no Confederate that's coming up on uh, eBay. Now, usually when I search a flag on Amazon or eBay, I type in don't tread on me flag, American flag, 3% of flag, Mullen Lave flag, and the first result is the flag that I can purchase and then hang on my wall when it gets here. Mm-hmm. The Confederate flag or the flag of the Confederate States of America is not available. Now, here is a premium 3x5 polyester rainbow pride flag with metal grommets. There's a California flag. There is a three-pack of, let's see, American Nylon Deluxe Embroidered Stars, Sewn Stripes USA flag. Uh, USA flag. Here's a... USA South State Stars and Bars flag, 1861. Okay, is that the same thing as the Confederate flag? No, no, this is the one that has the one, two, three, four, five, six, eight stars and three bars, red, oh, okay. white, red. There's a 1776 flag, cool, I like that one. So that's a plus. Texas flag. Um yeah, and then there's a Christian embroidered religious Jesus Christ flag. There's there's bukus and pages of flags. So 
Now let's see if you can buy what's what's another controversial flag? The Nazi flag. Let's look that up. Nazi flag, yep. Nazi German Nazi flag. Let's see if that mm, there's pictures and books and looks like a twenty four karat German Third Reich Nazi gold plated coin. <laughs> Selling for twelve fifty? Not even worth a dollar. But if it's gold, you think you just buy it for the gold, melt it down, and melt it down. Yeah. Now, from my searches, I searched uh, try to find the ISIS flag and also the Nazi flag, and those are not available either. So that I mean, there's good steps towards that, but yeah, but they're putting the Confederate flag in the same category. The same as category, those. exactly. Yeah, and it's not at all. Okay. All right. So you're throwing. Throwing these online stores on the Jack Wagon train for yeah, uh, from what I can I, I can tell Amazon and eBay now I also did a search on Google mm-hmm. I searched the Confederate flag in the search bar I hit shopping and it said uh, there are no results to display so it didn't even show anything I'm gonna do that too no book no flag no gear shift knob nothing. The Confederate flag for sale. Shop for Confederate flag for sale on Google. Now, now you have to put it in the Confederate flag in the search bar, hit uh, enter, and then click on the uh, shopping link. Like you, you know how it has videos, images, and all that. Mm-hmm. Click shopping, yeah. and it told me no results. Yeah, yeah, that it does. That's what it says. But right here it says. So they're not blocking like the ultimateflags.com, rebel flags, confederate battle flags, standard rebel confederate battle flag. That's the one that's the controversial one. Yeah. Holy now you can, crap. A 10 by 15 rebel nylon embroidered flag, $549.95. <laughs> a 20 by 30, $1,500. Wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Now you can find a flag on other sites, but yeah. as far as the main uh, big box stores, uh, right. they've removed. Okay. Well, you know, I guess well within the rights. The people that do business with them, if they have an issue with that, I guess you know they can take it up with uh, with those stores. Yeah. If they want them, uh, there's obviously there's places here where they can get them. But uh, interesting, very interesting. All right, so my jack wagon is a group and it all started with a message that I got from one of our listeners from uh, Leadhead Dave out in, in California. He had sent me a link to this article and it's called the psychology of gun ownership. And basically what it is, is it, it looks like it's a culmination of several different studies that were conducted, it says in recent years, so I, mean, I don't know the, the time span of some of these studies. Uh, and it s- says it's giving us great insight into the psychology of gun ownership, meaning the beliefs and behaviors frequently exhibited by gun owners and the motivations behind them keeping weapons. Okay. It goes on, and then it's got several different little bullet points here. 
the first one, it says, those who own guns tend to be part of a, in quotes, social gun culture. Okay. And so there was a study in 2015 by this professor at Columbia University. And it says that he found there is a strong association between exposure to social gun culture and gun ownership. According to this guy, the average gun-owning American is white, married, or divorced. He has a high income, and he is over 55 years old. Hmm. The social gun culture includes unseen codes of behavior and powerful predictors of behavioral intentions and health behaviors, whatever that means. <laughs> okay, so they do give some links to some of these these studies in the in the researches, and I've gone to some of those, and it looks like they, for the purpose of this article, they've just taken bits and pieces to fit into what their views are on obvious gun control and gun owners. So they're trying to paint this picture of a gun owner. So so bear with me. Okay, so now we got the social gun culture, and this gun culture is. The average gun owner is a white, married, or divorced, high income, and over 55 years old. Okay. Then it goes on to its next bullet point. Men who carry guns suffer from a, quote, crisis of competence. So midlife crisis, lack of confidence. Uh, so it says one man told this researcher that he felt naked without his gun. The person who did the study found that men might carry guns in public as a reaction to broader socioeconomic decline or because carrying a gun is seen as a masculine duty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> carrying a gun can help men address social insecurities far beyond crime. Gun rights platforms is not just about guns. It's also about a crisis of confidence in the American dream. And this is one reason gun control efforts ignite such intense backlashes. Restrictions are received as a personal affront to men who find in guns a sense of duty, relevance, and even dignity. So basically, you know, the old adage that this guy, you know, the, the old 55-year-old that's driving around in a Ferrari is making up for his lack of masculinity. <laughs> you know, his... He's got a small PP. <laughs> so basically, they're trying to say that gun owners, you know, have are insecure about their small PPs. Not the fact that we uh, uh, want to protect ourselves as a human right to protect ourselves. Um, no, it's not that apparently. No, no, it's just that we have social insecurities. Um, so it's it's white, married or divorced, high income, over fifty five and suffering midlife crises or, you know, they have a uh, insecurity about their small PP. <laughs> um, so it goes on. Gun owners tend to be angry and impulsive. Huh. Okay. I'm going to see if there's anything in here. So, I mean, they're giving some stats and things like this, but again, uh, you know, they're just taking bits and pieces from these uh, articles. And it goes on. And then the next one is, Holding a gun can make you paranoid. Participants holding a toy gun during an experiment were more likely than participants holding a neutral object like a ball to think that people on a computer screen in front of them were also holding a gun. What? What's that even mean? 
Right. Participants were shown images of people that changed throughout the experience. Sometimes the people in the image would be wearing ski masks, and sometimes the computer would change the race of the people. Participants holding guns were more likely to classify objects held by others as guns. Okay, again, they don't go in and talk about the mechanics of the test, what all was involved, you know, anything like that. So then they go down. Those with racist views are more likely to oppose gun reform. So this study uh, related to having a gun in the home in opposition to gun control policies in the U.S. Whites. The study defines symbolic racism as racial resentment, an explicit but subtle form and measure of racism. While the reasons for owning guns and being opposed to gun violence prevention legislation vary and are complex, it has been suggested that sociocultural factors such as fear of black violence may be associated with gun ownership and with opposition to gun controls. This professor also supported this statement in their respective works in a 2010 study. Uh, it says, advances in implicit social cognition reveal that most people carry biases against racial minorities beyond their conscious awareness. These biases affect critical behavior, including the actions of individuals performing shooting tasks. In simulations, Americans are faster and more accurate when firing on armed blacks than when firing on armed whites and faster and more accurate in electing to hold their fire when confronting unarmed whites than when confronting unarmed blacks. Uh, So I'm not going to read any more. This is just, this is complete lunacy. This is ludicrous. Yeah. So the Jack wagons, I'll just get to it. It's the coalition to stop gun violence. No surprise there. If you go on and you read any more of their articles, they're all they all have the same single-minded slant. So I mean, all they're trying to do is induce fear into the into the uneducated and naive here. We need we need to promote critical thinking. The person who wrote this, you know, is chicken shit enough that they don't even put their name on here. Uh, and it's information like that, it's ignorance like that, that we have to combat on a daily basis. You know, so it's it's all about educating yourself. This show, again, we try to keep politics out of our show, and I know this, this delves into that a little bit. Uh, I've never been to the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence website before in my life. This was the first time I've ever been there. Uh, but this, you know, this again helps me, you know, reality has sunk in for me as to what we're actually up against in our fight for, you know, our American rights, our constitutional rights, our second amendment, our first amendment, our, all the amendments, you know, our whole constitution, our whole bill of rights, uh, is, is threatened by mentalities like this. Yeah. And what's worse and what's worse is if you read the comments at the end of this, listening to some of these, these people's comments, I, here's one. I and this person says they're a PhD. I did not find any of the above article information surprising, except for the educational level and income level of average gun owner. My bias was more in the direction of one of the comments above. The gun ownership was higher among individuals with less education and less financial security. I wish, however, that a list of references was provided with the article because I know when I repost this item on Facebook, many of my gun-owning friends will question the quality of the research. 
no duh. <laughs> I mean, here's a PhD you know, without trying to pick it apart, just pick it up and say, look, you know, I agree with this stuff because whatever reason, but you've got no facts to, to back this stuff up with. <laughs> yeah. That's because it was an article that was written or uh, quote unquote researched with bias and pieced together by someone with their own agenda. None of this that I see in this article is true being that, you know, all of my friends, myself, you know, just a lot of people, we do not fit this, uh, this whole, no, it, you know, it may be true to a certain extent, but they're making it out to be that these, this is the typical gun owner and this is not the typical gun owner in America. Not at all. These are not the people that make up the millions of gun owners in America. Who knows what batch of people that they are surveying here? I don't know where they're getting their data. I mean, that's the thing is they take, and the NRA, NRA does this to a certain extent also, but not not to this extent, not to the hate extent. If you read, again, if you go through and you read some of these articles, there's nothing but, but just pure hatred that come from these people. And, and the words that it, they use, it's, it's just pure intentional hatred. They try to get their people so scared and so worked up, you know, to the hatred level that they hate people who have anything to do with firearms. Mm -hmm. And this is what we have to combat. This is what we have to not only educate ourselves on, but everyone else out there. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that we just need to uh, be aware this is what we are against. It seems like all of their arguments are fueled off of just pure emotion, and there's really no facts to, well, to support their opinions. You know, that's I'm glad you said it because that's what they're doing. They're playing on people's emotions. You know, again, they they get them worked up. They hit them with these inaccurate facts and data and studies and uh, research to again slant them over to their side in such a way that the emotion is hatred. You know, they try to get people worked up enough to where the anger kicks in and the hatred kicks in that, you know, and again, they're painting a stereotypical, what they want their followers to think the stereotypical gun owner is, which is the, is what's considered in this, this country, the majority, the white male is considered the majority, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So everything on here is pointing to uh, 55 years uh, old, high income, so middle, white, you know. A couple of different things in here it said, you know, white. There, I know plenty of non-white gun owners, Asian, blacks, Hispanics, that legally and responsibly own firearms. Yeah. And it's not out of fear. You know, as far as the way that they're wanting you to think that the fear is, you know, it's it's out of, you know, love for our Constitution, love for our country, love for, you know, our way of life. Exactly. Um, and it's not hunting. You know? No, it's not hunting at all. Hunting has nothing to do with it. No. But it's, it's, it's our right to be able to carry and defend ourselves. Yeah. Uh, from... From tyranny, I always I just categorize it as tyranny because anytime somebody's threatening you, it's tyranny, whether it's a government or it's an individual. Yep. You know, you know, kind of going back on it. There's a bullet point here that you read: gun owners tend to be angry and impulsive. Well, 
it seems to me that this article is written by a bunch of angry and impulsive people. Impulsive in that they don't have proper research for this article and they're angry at the fact that they're, you know, not winning, that they want their, their agenda to be pushed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not angry. I'm not impulsive. I'm happy and prepared. It just seems like they are, they are the ones who, who are angry and being impulsive about this without having the proper research done and without having, you know, they're being very, facts. very reckless with reckless. the way they are presenting with the way they're presenting the information, very reckless and very irresponsible. Yeah, they really are. You know, holding a gun can make you paranoid. Gun owners, gun owners tend to be angry and impulsive. They don't have the facts supporting them. So they have to try some other angle. Yeah. So I want to, I want to know more about that one. Uh, I don't think I read that. So in 2012, this guy at Notre Dame found that wielding a gun increases a person's bias to see guns in hands of others. <laughs> What's that really mean? So, so by holding a gun, it's going to make me see a gun in someone else's hands. So in five experiments, subjects were shown multiple images of people on a computer screen to determine whether the person was holding a gun or a neutral object, such as a soda can or cell phone. Subjects did this while holding either a toy gun or neutral object, such as a foam ball. The researchers varied the situation in each experiment, such as having the people in the images sometimes wear ski masks, changing the race of the person image, changing reactions uh, subjects were to have when they perceived the person in the image to hold a gun, regardless of the situation the observers found themselves in. The study showed that responding with a gun biased observers to report gun present, in quotes, more than did responding with a ball. Thus, by virtue of affording the subject the opportunity to use a gun, he or she was more likely to classify objects in the scene as a gun and as a result to engage in threat-induced behavior, such as raising a firearm to shoot. There's already problems with that because what they're doing is they're giving a person an object and they're putting their focus on the object that's in their hand. They're mm-hmm. holding it so they're picturing it in their head and they're thinking about it. The exactly. shape, the feel. So when they see yeah. something on the screen, the gun is already in their head. Exactly. They, they so should have done that without anything in their hand. They're being coached. They're being coached. So when they've got a ball in their hand, they're really thinking about ball. And ball. They're, looking, they're looking for balls. They're not looking for guns. Exactly. If they got a gun in their hand, same thing. They're thinking about guns. They're looking for guns. Because the people who gave them that object in in their head, they're 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 needing to associate that object with what they're looking at. So they have a gun in their hand, so they're trying to find the guns. Because that's what they were given. It's a horrible experiment. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think that experiment proves dick. It doesn't prove well, it. Actually I think it does. It proves dick. That's exactly what it proves. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> okay. So that was that was probably our longest ever jack wagon. So yeah, let's get into some positive stuff here, Dave. What do you, what do you got that's positive for us, brother? Well, real quick, I have something that a lot of you will like. Um, a lot of you probably heard about already. I hope um, that Maine, the state of Maine, is no longer requiring people to have a permit to carry a concealed firearm. Maine, which is one of the, even though they're on the right coast, they're very lefty in their thinking, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
I, I uh, sure. All right, so that's that's some good news. Um, Maine, congratulations. Uh, that's a major step forward for for that state in that area. Uh, wasn't there something else that you had positive? Yeah, uh, I did actually. It seems that murders drop as the concealed carry permits soar. Is that Thanks nationwide? Nationwide. Uh, pretty much what it's saying is that uh, concealed carry permits have skyrocketed since uh, Barack Obama was first elected. And uh, <laughs> murder rates have fallen. Concealed carry permits have increased. Murder rates have fallen. Is that uh, That's exactly what, what happens. It makes sense. Makes complete sense. Uh, makes sense. Because the chicken murderers that want to take advantage of and prey on the, the helpless and harmless don't know who's helpless and harmless now. <laughs> they don't have that advantage anymore. That's yep. right. they got to think twice about it. We, we have been joined. You hear another voice there in the background. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are now joined by CG3G, Casey Griggs, the three-gunner. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> that works. You, that works. You, you've heard me talk about him. You've seen the uh, post on Facebook page. Uh, we've been sponsoring Casey now as he has entered into the three-gun competition world. And we've got some... Some big news, some some great news that I'm going to let you announce, Casey. Uh, well, uh, that big news would be I just recently picked up Troy Industries, so I'm uh, more than happy about that. I mean, I have no idea exactly. And sorry, you'll have to uh, try to get around the radio traffic in the background for the fire. So in your in your real life, Casey uh, is a fireman, and he's he's at the fire hall right now. He he was actually with us earlier, and he got called on an emergency. Um, but uh, I guess you got it taken care of pretty quick because you're back with us now. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. We had to, we got in, got out, and handled what we needed to. <laughs> there you, you had to get back on the show. You said, "Look, guys, I got a show I'm doing. I got to go." <laughs> I'm telling you, I said, "Man, I gotta get, I gotta go." Slap a bandaid on it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we we try not to do that. You know, we we handle oh, everything well, seriously. But, but uh, congratulations on on the new sponsorship with Troy. As, as our listeners know, uh, Troy has done a lot with us and with, with Talking Lead, and we're proud to be co-sponsors with them uh, on Casey, doing the three-gun, man. Yeah, I'm telling you what, it's, it's, it's actually kind of amazing to be a part of or be able to pick up Troy Industries because, you know, they, they support so much of the military, too. It, to me, it was one-in-one, one. me being prior or me still being military and picking them up. Yeah. Amazing. So I, I've always been a fanboy of their products even before I started this show. I own personally I own three of their rifles and yeah, I've got several of their products on some of my other rifles that I use too. Uh, but they just they make a, a quality product, a reliable and uh, made in America. America. <laughs> exactly. That is the main thing. Yeah. As long as we can stay towards American made products and keeping our people working here at home, that's all that matters. Yeah. American made a vet owned uh, company, Steve Troy. I've uh, met him personally. Great guy, and you know, that's something else that, as our listeners know, is that we're big supporters of our military, veterans, and active duty, and our law enforcement, fire department, EMTs. You know, we we support all those guys, and uh, I think it's just a great natural fit that that Troy has come on board with our three gun team, and and with Casey, because Casey, let's tell our listeners a little bit about you. You have a military background. <clears throat> I do. Uh, when I've, I've got in, I've got about 11 years now. I've been in um, kind of 
pretty much everything you can think of. I'm on the reserve side, so it's I'm, I have the opportunity to jump around in MOSs a little bit more than your normal active duty soldier. Uh, when I first got in on my first deployment, I was a 19 Delta Cav Scout. Uh, so I kind of went through basic went through basic training at Fort Knox for that, and got out of there, come back, and I've done um, 91 Foxtrot, which is small arms artillery repair. So I have that also, and I have 92 Yankee and Alpha right now, which is supply and logistics. And you kind of get the unit supply side and the warehouse side in both of those two different MOSs. So I've got logistics, I've got repairing stuff that can blow things up, and I've also got, you know, a little bit of the scout side, so. There you go. So, you know, you got, you got some good experience there. Uh, well-rounded. Now, i got to ask you this. When you were at Fort Knox, did you ever get to see the gold? See the what? The gold. The gold? <laughs> the gold. You know, that's where, you know, the Fort Knox is supposed to be where all the gold's. Oh, oh, the gold. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, the Fort Knox gold. No, we never did get to see that. We knew it was over there, but, and all we were told that it was heavily guarded with tanks, so. Uh, there you go. I'm, I'm teasing. But, but uh, that, 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 is, that would be cool if you did get to see that, though. Of course, Fort Knox's gold would be uh, agony, misery, and heartbreak, the three hills that you <laughs> dread climbing up and down with a 60 to 70 pound rucksack. So, <laughs> yeah. so you're, you're reserved now, mm-hmm. and you also um, are obviously with the fire department, as we just mentioned. Tell us about, tell us about your um, fireman background. Well, I'm, I'm a AEMT, an advanced EMT. Uh, I work here in Columbia Fire Department in Tennessee, and just pretty much we do a little bit of everything. You know, we do fire suppression. We can drive. We can be the medic for the day, pretty much whatever we need to be. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's similar to the military because it's kind of all-in-one encompassed type thing. You know, everybody works together. Yeah. Now, did you do the fire department first or did you do the military first? I actually joined the military first. Uh, whenever I joined the military, I've got about nine years now here where I work at. So, mm-hmm. very good. Now, how old are you? Thirty-two. You're thirty-two. Okay, so you're, you're a relatively young guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Compared to me. Don't, don't feel like it. <laughs> Compared to my old ass. <laughs> but, don't feel like uh, it at times, but yeah. But you're older than Dave. Dave's the young pup of the group here today. Yeah, I am. I guess. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm only 27. Now, you've been doing three gun for what, about a year now? Mm-hmm. Tell us how that journey started. Well, you know, I've always had an interest in it, and my wife always aggravated me because I would sit there at the TV, and I would watch these guys run around and compete, and I just loved it because it was just like, man, you know, that kind of, that kind of encompasses everything that the military can do also. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you're running, you're shooting, you're doing all those different types of things, and they have some scenarios set up that are similar to, like, building clearing and those types of things, which, to me, I mean, hey, that, that fell right into it. I'm like, yeah. The natural you know, fit, yeah. It kind of sparked doing that, and I said, and I just got the wild hair one day and said, hey, I want to go for it. Yeah, and, and you just uh, did it. You just said, I'm, I'm going to do it. I just said, I'm going to do it, and decided to make it a goal to do it and to show people where I live at, because I do live in a small town that if you want something bad enough, you can get it. People need reminding of that. Mm-hmm. And because I've kind of lost a little bit of a faith in my small town, no, nobody thinks we can get anything there. Mm. And I want to show people that regardless of where you live, if you want it bad enough, you can get it. And if you want to bring it to you, then you need to get it yourself. 
you got to go get it. Right on. So don't rely on somebody else. You want something, rely on yourself and do it yourself. And get it there. Because yeah. there's there's ways to make it happen as as you're showing. You know, you're proving. You, you know, your case in point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you teamed up with some some local guys. Uh, you know, our buddies over at Vetmate Ammo. Oh yeah, yeah, Kenny at Vetmate Ammo. Got them. Yeah. Got them behind you, and then of course Kenny introduced us, and you know we were we were on board immediately. Yeah. Yeah, he was a perfect fit. He got stuff started for me. I'll give him full and total, complete credit. He, uh, I just happened to start talking to him one day and said, "Hey, you know what? I think it's awesome that veterans are making ammunition, and I want to try to help you guys out as much as possible." And Kenny said, just all of a sudden, because I, you know, showed him the interest. Hey, I kind of want to shoot three gun, and he said, "Well, how about we sponsor you?" <laughs> so I'm kind of thinking, did I just seriously get asked to be sponsored? <laughs> You're like, I just started. Now I've got an ammo sponsor. I rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I didn't even do anything yet. <laughs> it, it can't be this easy. <laughs> right, I know. And then, of course, later on I realized that it's not easy, but, you know, and some people just get lucky and fortunate, but I did put forth the effort, and I'm starting to see that show yeah. through. They didn't come knocking at your door. No. Yeah. No. You, can't, you can't wait around for that knock to come to the door. You got to go out and you got you know you got to hit the pavement. You've got to make the calls and you've got to knock on other people's doors to make it happen. I, I think I started in the right path to begin with because I kept telling them I said I want to at least get some stuff under my belt to have something to show to these companies. You know what they're looking at. When I'm asking you, I'm not asking you for stuff. I, and I think that's what helped me along the way. I don't ask people for things. Mm-hmm. These veteran companies that I try to pick up, I want to help them. And in turn, I've got to improve myself for them, be that face for them. So, And you know, that, that's a great mentality. You know, that's a great way to approach it right there, is you're not making any promises. You're not out there over-touting you know, your abilities. You're letting your actions do the, uh, the speaking for you. Oh, yeah, and that's another thing, too. You know, I I have the drive and the want to be where some of these people are, like uh, uh, Jerry Mitchellick and some of those guys. I want to be where they're at. I want to stand next to them toe-to-toe and go against them. You know, yeah. that's, a, that's a goal of mine. Well, everybody you know, has to start somewhere, you know. Yeah, you right. you got to start. That's the first thing is you got to start. <laughs> you have to. And I know when I was uh, talking with Julie over at Troy, Julie and I are good friends, and she said that, you know, I was sitting at my desk one day, and I get this call, and she goes, I don't normally answer numbers that I don't recognize. And she said, there was something that just told me to, to answer this call. And she said she picked it up, and it was you. It was Casey. And she said, there was this young man on the other, on the other end was very passionate. He was very humble. Uh, I loved his story, the small town aspect of it. And you're you're a God fearing man, you know, bringing bringing the religion and the Christianity into it, uh, just the humbleness that that you presented to her and telling her your story and your goals and your aspirations, and she said before you even said another word, you know, after all that, she's like, you know, where do I sign up? <laughs> How, yeah. what, what do you what do I need? You know, what do you need from me? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you whatever you want. <laughs> you know, she was well, she was sold immediately. Yeah, and that's, so, that's yeah. something I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I, wasn't expect, I was expecting kind of one of those, well, you know, I mean, here's another guy just trying to get into a sponsorship, and all of a sudden she's like, well, how about let's look at it this way. 
let's talk about it as a, as a partnership. Yeah. I kind of got quiet. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really looking forward to to this this partnership that we're all involved with 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 Betmade, with Troy, with Talking Lead, with uh, you've got several other uh, modern mm -hmm. Spark systems uh, on board now. Who else? Nordic Components. Nordic Components. Nordic Components, uh, and I also have Forged Firearms and Machine, which is a Mm -hmm. uh, he's a great machinist. He can do everything. He can make 2011s. He's got some pictures of 2011s and 1911s that he's made. That's just amazing. Oh wow! So um, you got you got him to to rely on to do uh, your fine tuning, your, <laughs> your triggers and and cutting some weight here, cutting some weight there. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping one day I can I get a little bit deeper pockets and buy a 2011. But right now I'm running with Smith and Wesson. Yeah. The M&P series, which uh, is a great pistol. You know, uh, had a little mishap in my last competition. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. the uh, cut in the front of the pistol uh, kind of allowed the sight to move because um, I was shooting 147 grain 9mm bullets. Mm. Well, a little bit more pack behind those, and it was just enough to jar the front sight loose, uh, which already had an issue before, but we thought we re had repaired it, yeah. and it didn't. So the cut was still a little bit beveled out too much, and it still allowed it to slide. <laughs> so now, it speaking, really messed me up. Yeah, speaking of you know gunsmithing, another one of your sponsors is the Sonoran Desert Institute, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the School of Gunsmithing, which uh, have sponsored several things that Talking Lead has done. And I'm actually I'm not actively enrolled right now because of my schedule. I had to withdraw, but you know, I started off in their gunsmithing school. And uh, when things slow down again, I'm going to pick up my courses again and get my gunsmithing certificate. But that's something you're working on as well, right? It is. I'm uh, fixing to start doing that. I'm, I'm going for the GI Bill because he said they're still working out some things for the tuition assistance mm -hmm. for military. So, yeah. you know, I've got a GI Bill that I can use, uh, and I'm going to use that and just go ahead and get that the certificate side of it out of the way. And if I decide to go further for the associates, I'm going to do that as well. Uh, I feel like several of my military certifications that I have will knock out several of those credit hours. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure it will, yeah. And I also have a lot of other classes from other colleges because I was going for a fire science degree, and yeah. I got hung up in that because of the second deployment, so I didn't continue that, so I'm kind of <laughs> I'm in limbo everywhere. Well, you know Zeke, Zeke will take care of you. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, our listeners know Zeke is one of the... Uh, between he and I, we founded and started Talking Lead, and uh, he got the great opportunity to go to work for SDI, and now he is one of the uh, the head guys over there at the Sonoran Desert Institute. Uh, so check them out at sdi.edu. So Casey, tell us about you know we got we're talking about your Smith and Wesson. Tell us about your your gear, you know your guns that you use in your three gun competitions. What are you running? Well, my rifle's kind of a Frankenstein rifle. Uh, you know, we have and we like Frankenstein's here, my friend. <laughs> We're all about piecemealing stuff together. <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually picked up a good company for a barrel that a buddy of mine had turned me onto mm -hmm. at Compass Lake Engineering out of Florida. And I'm sure Julie, with her living down there, has heard of Compass Lake. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Julie works with Troy. Right. Frank White is his name. He used to shoot for the U.S. Army Marksmanship Unit. Okay. He started a company and he turns barrels 
for the Army Marksmanship Unit, from what I understand. He makes some awesome barrels. So I've got a Douglas Chrome Molly 1 and 7 twist barrel on my rifle right now, which is a needle threader. <laughs> I mean, it's... Tank driver, yeah. I mean, we were talking 600 yards open sights, and I was swinging steel that was probably three inches. Nice. <laughs> so, I mean, it's... And of course, me, I'm an open sight shooter. I like to shoot open sights to give myself that challenge. Mm-hmm. So... That I was impressed. <laughs> so, Very cool. Um, what what other components you running on that? Well, I actually have, like I said, I had the Troy free float, 15 inch alpha rail. Mm-hmm. I had that on there, and I think that's what kind of sparked Julie too. You know, I told her I said, "Hey, I'm already running with the Troy rail," so that kind of sparked her interest too. And then I uh, I have a Geisley trigger. Mm-hmm. My lower receiver is Bushmaster, but my upper receiver is Double Star. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So it is a true Frankenstein weapon. It is a Frankenstein weapon. That's that's how I did. I built a, a 300 blackout here not too long ago, and it it's kind of like that. It's got a different company's barrel. It's got a different company's handguard, different company's upper, different company's lower, a different company's trigger. It's <laughs> well, I tell you how it started for me was uh, I had built my first lower receiver or my first AR. I kind of just started graduating a little bit higher and higher and putting the parts together and getting different lowers and stuff like that. Switching so, your parts to the to the you know, your good parts to the good gun. <laughs> right, right. And that's what I was doing. I was doing that and uh I finally just come out with a weapon. I mean I know it's Frankenstein, but it works great. It's yeah. not failed me yet. So uh I did notice that it doesn't like nickel boron bolts for some reason. Odd. And I wonder why that is. I don't have a clue. I don't know was, if it's was it a cycling issue or what kind of what kind of problem it was. Getting? It was a cycling issue. It's like as soon as it got in the bolt itself, when it went to the went into the chamber uh, and locked to the barrel, or I guess you want to call it locking, yeah. when it went in and locked, it would not cycle. Uh, sometimes it would stick, mm-hmm. and when it would stick, it's like the bolt itself wouldn't wouldn't rotate. Okay. And just stop. And it wouldn't come loose. It wouldn't eject the round or anything. wouldn't wouldn't even extract it. Huh? It would just stick, and I would have to literally pull the charging handle as hard as I could to get it to throw to extract the round out. So, or the yeah. empty casing. Did you ever try changing your upper? I didn't try barrel, changing it. Maybe yeah, I didn't barrel. didn't try changing it. I basically just took the old BCG and uh, stuck it back in there, and. I'll be honest with you. The military BCG ran like a scalded dog. Which so, approach to, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, and that's, so sometimes I think some of the high-end stuff is a little overrated. Yeah. And nickel boron just didn't work in my rifle. And, okay. which I, I'd like to try the titanium nitride. Uh, they I would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, for about, you know, three hundred dollars or more, it's kind of expensive to buy a BCG group. You know, just just to see if it works or not. Yeah. Yeah, just to see if it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, then that could be a different, um, any number of different things as to why that uh, nickel boron wasn't working. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, one of my sponsors, and you mentioned them, which was Modern Spartan. Yeah. The company of you know they do lubrication and cleaning. They the the stuff that I use. It's all like a eco-friendly style lubrication and cleaner. That stuff actually goes in and conditions the metal 
and it had it had cleaned a basic military pole carrier group and the weapon like nothing I've ever seen before. We've used all kinds of crap in the military. You know it. Dave knows it. Everything possible. Yeah. And that stuff was amazing. I wished that everybody could try it. Because yeah. I've that would actually, be like me. on that 300 blackout that I was telling you about, I conditioned that barrel with modern Spartan systems. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a considerable, noticeable difference. Uh, and when I did it, and I've got two more, I've got two, 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 three wild barrels that, uh, I have conditioned for my next two builds mm-hmm. uh, with modern Spartans as well. And once you condition it, you know as well as I do, it, it comes off just amazingly. Oh, yeah. Carbon will not stick. And uh, we actually had some people test trialing that stuff right now through Fort, at Fort Campbell, and uh, they said they were amazed. Yeah. And that's kind of hard to do when you impress some civilian contractors and things of that nature you know, on a new product because there's so many out there. Mm-hmm. And they were pretty stuck on it. Oh, I've been sold on modern Spartan systems for for years now. They've uh, they've been on board with talking lead for a while. <laughs> it's truly amazing. I'm, I'm just telling you, truly amazing. <laughs> yeah, and there that's another veteran-owned company. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, Justin, I think right now is deploying. I don't know if he's deploying to Afghanistan. Oh, is he? I haven't uh, talked to him in a while. I need to touch base uh, with him. But yeah, I think he's deploying to Afghanistan, I believe. Um, well, that's good. So, what about your what about your shotty? Well, the shotgun I'm running the Mossberg JM Pro, the 930. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say this about it: you know, a lot of people talk Benelli's really big, and don't get me wrong, Benelli is America's gun. I know it is America's shotgun. Made yeah, in Italy, right? <laughs> yeah, but everybody loves. They love, everybody loves a Benelli. You hear the jokes, ooh, that Benelli, and all that stuff, you know. Yeah. But, well, it's just kind of that. It's kind of that benchmark that, you know, like you, like we were talking about. You and I were talking about off air mm-hmm. about uh, brand names, and if you're running this, then it's like wearing Under Armour, you know, top of the line kind of thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a men, it's a mental thing, like driving a Beamer, you know. It's kind yeah. of a status quo symbol. But I will say this, out of all the Benelli's that I've been around so far in competitions, guess which one hasn't malfunctioned? Mine. Yours? <laughs> <laughs> because I run a Mossberg JM Pro. It's half the price of the Benelli. So anybody starting out on 3-Gun, go How's for the weight the comparison on those? You, you know? know, it's light. It's, it's light. It's super light. Now, you're a big guy. You know, so what's light to you might not be light to... You know, a little guy like me. Well, my wife could swing it around no problem. I'll just put it that way. Well, what do you got there, Dave? Well, this is just uh, my shotgun here. It's Mossberg 500 pump. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that's what I've got, you know, just for my, my personal defense. Yeah. Now, if I was running competition, I'd run something else. Oh, yeah, of course. I'd probably run the, uh, you know, the same gun that, you know, that he's talking about. But for now, I have a pump. Well, and you know the pump wouldn't be bad. You could run in the factory division with a pump. That's what I hear. You know, I mean, you have to start somewhere, right? I know Chad. Chad from Caltech. Um, he he'll run with the KSG shotgun sometimes. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. On his competitions. My Mossberg. I've kind of. That's where Nordic components come in. Mm-hmm. And when I picked them up, I was kind of shocked. Like I said, to pick them up because that's two large names that I picked up that I was not expecting. And, and I'll give them credit, you know, Ken Anderson with Nordic Components, 
gave me a shot. You know, he said uh, we don't usually pick up new shooters. Um, we look for people with at least, I think he said, three years experience. Oh, good Lord, yeah. So they're looking for the big-name people, but he gave me a shot, which I was more than proud to be given that shot. Yeah. And, uh, no pun again, Right, <laughs> yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> but uh, Ken Anderson actually moved on. He opened up uh, his own company and doing some things. Uh, but left on good terms with uh, Nordic Components, and they miss him greatly. Uh, I called up there not too long ago to see who the new um, person was that's taking over his spot, and they said, well, we don't really have one just yet, but, uh, you know, we miss Ken. So I thought, well, that he says said, something. You said I do too because that's my end with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I think I'm the only shooter that's called him so far. Um, really? That's, just how I, that's how I was raised, you know. Uh, you always want to stay good with people and you always want to try to you know somebody leaves and somebody new comes in introduce yourself yeah you know don't be that guy that sits in the back corner and just expect them to do something the lost art of a handshake exactly and uh, even though it was over the phone and I'm miles away from where they're at <laughs> you know I still wanted to call them know hey I'm here thank you for sponsoring me I'm still grateful and I today, gave them my number today's day and age a phone call is you know, it's like a personal meet and greet. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. Which it's not better than I tell you. you know, you get a text from somebody now. That's that's really impersonal. But you know, phone calls still, it it kind of has that impact. That it still has meaning. Yeah, and and a lot of people choose media over um, actually talking, talking, and I don't know why. Yeah. But uh, and I guess it's just because everybody in this day's age has gotten so busy and enveloped in what they do. It's just kind of like, hey, send me an email. <laughs> well, it's it's laziness, <laughs> and I'm I'm guilty of it too. You know, text me, email me, yeah, I'll get to it later. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a good thing. It's a bad thing. It's one of those double-edged swords technologies. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, for my mop, for my shotgun, I run the Mossberg. Uh, what kind of loads do you use? I typically stay towards the Winchester, those Super Xs they have. I think it's called Super X. Um, I typically stay towards those on bird shot, you know, eight shot, somewhere around there, enough to get steel knocked over. You know, like I said, I'm still trying to learn the different types. You know, I'm listening to people, what types of loads they're using. Uh -huh. A lot of people like that Fiatchi. A lot of people use them. Uh, of course, I'm pretty partial to the old names like Winchester and, and, and Remington. And, you know, and the thing about it is you can reload shotgun shells, but it's so cheap to buy them right now in the boxes. You're better off just to buy crates if you can. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, we know what you're running on your pistol. It's the Smith and Wesson. Mm -hmm. Smith and Wesson M and P. M and P. Uh, I actually love that frame. It has served me well so far, except for the sight <laughs> that yeah. uh, almost fell off in stage two. But as far as the uh, functionality of it, it's performed well. It's not stopped running. I mean, I know everybody's got this thing for Glocks. But there again, are we using an American-made weapon? I know Mossberg's probably not. Well, you know, and Glock is made in the USA. You know, so mm -hmm. it may not be an American-owned, but they still do a lot for the American economy. Yeah, and that's you know. that's just. I'm trying to to show. I want to try to stay American as I can. Um, 
and show people that we make great stuff. But that's what America is. We're a bunch of mutts, mixed breeds, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what America is. We're one big tossed salad, dude. But I want people to see, though, that we can still make great stuff here. We yeah. don't have to depend on another country to make something. We have knowledge. We have soldiers that would love jobs who have endless knowledge, and people don't realize that, that soldiers have all kinds of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And we can make great stuff here. They have yeah. the will, the want, and the drive to do it. Yeah, and again, I'm not arguing with you, but I know that Glock employs many American veterans. Um, they do. Uh, Lee Army is one of them. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know their marketing guy over there, Chris, uh, is former military, and there's several other people that are higher up in their uh, General Dorsey, um, um, Josh Dorsey, I don't know if he's General or not, but Josh Dorsey, uh, who is there, I mean, he's over basically Glock USA, uh, yeah. is is former military. Uh, I know. So they got, you know, former military guy running the whole shebang here in the United States. I mean, there's no doubt that Glock's a, a good weapon. It's just something about it just doesn't. I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to me. And and, and we've had this discussion on my on this show before. Is we're not, you know, I'm not a gun snob. I'm not a, a pro. Hey, if you're not using this gun, then you suck. You know, kind yeah. of thing. You know, everybody should be using a Glock. Uh, I get it that everybody's different. Everybody's build their, you know, their mechanics. Everybody's got a different flow to them, and mm -hmm. not, it's not a one size fits all kind of industry. You know, that's why there are so many different varieties of guns out there mm -hmm. is there's so many different varieties of humans out there. Yeah. And, uh, and whatever I've, works for you is great. You know, that's, I'm all for it. I've heard. And of course, you know, you hear a lot of things and I try to stay up on some of that Intel if I can, but, uh, I don't know. From what I understand, some of the SF may run Glocks. Uh, I don't know what version, Mm -hmm. But I know that they, from what I understand, they do. So they trust them. They were them. running SIG P226s. They're, you know, I've heard them running all kinds of different stuff. So. And I know that that one was popular with the SEALs. Right. The P226. So yeah. from what I understand, some of the SF guys are running the Glocks. So I... Yeah. But that being said... I know for a fact that I've seen some of them wearing a 1911 on their side. <laughs> exactly. And I can say that by experience of seeing them in over, in over in country. <laughs> yeah, you've seen it firsthand. Yeah, they're wearing 1911s. Firsthand so, deployed, yeah. I mean, everybody can say, hey, and your Glock up there. <laughs> you see that? <laughs> I just saw that as I, as I was getting a drink. I was like, oh, I got a Glock cup, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, I'm a I'm a Glock fanboy, but again, I'm not I'm not an over yeah Dave with his yeah, Glock Dave. Too, uh, yeah. But you know, I like what I like, but I don't push it on other people. But like I said, I you know I haven't had any issues with that Smith as far hey, as I'll tell you what, back to the Smith. Uh, I beat a Navy SEAL in a shooting competition with the Smith and Wesson. Nice. Yeah. That works. And I beat a race car driver. <laughs> <laughs> and I beat Zeke. <laughs> well, you know something else that I'm uh, I'm new in three gun, of course, still still fairly new, but uh, I've been trying to keep tabs on a certain person that is partnered with Troy. And I think you know exactly who I'm going to say. Go ahead and say uh, it. 
It's uh, Sergeant Major Lamb through Viking Tactics. Yeah, yeah. He has some really good videos. Um, I was watching Guns and Ammo the other day, and he actually took some of his training that he has in some of his videos and uh, put it on Guns and Ammo for everybody to see. And that training, if you take it, it speaks truth. It will make you better. And I'm going to start running those drills myself with pistol and AR just to improve myself of, hey, you know, what is it, uh, aim small, miss small? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. that type of thing? Yeah. And literally, you have to hit the small it, Never shoot a large caliber man with a small caliber bullet. Uh, I get those confused. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Troy actually has a, a a Sergeant Major Lamb carbine that they mm-hmm. that they developed. And uh, a lot of people think it kind of corny. And this, like I said, this is me because it's how I was raised. I respect him, and a lot of people kind of like, well, he's just a person too. And I was like, yeah, but you don't understand. That man has done a lot of stuff. He's seen a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he was part of Mogadishu. Uh, and, and some of that era. And that, to me, is one of the most overlooked wars I've ever seen. Black Hawk Down was huge, but it hardly ever gets recognized. Uh, my right. first commander, I'll give him credit where credit's due, he was in Mogadishu as a crewman on one of the Black Hawks, um, and he was my first commander in 0405 deployment. So he was with the uh, 160th. He was with them, and uh, so he's, he's seen it firsthand, too. So I have to ask them all the time. You you got access to these people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, you've got some some great role models, uh, some great wealth of knowledge that you could tap into that that most people can't. Yeah. And of course, whenever I spoke to Sergeant Major on the phone, I still call him Sergeant Major just because it's beating into my head, military. Mm-hmm. You know, he he might say call me Kyle, but I'm not going to call him Kyle. I'm going to call him Sergeant Major. Yeah. Because it's respect. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, he's a uh, He's got a lot of knowledge, but I call him the ghost because he never sits still for longer than two minutes. No, he's on the move. He's always moving somewhere. But uh, he, he is a wealth of knowledge, and I would love to be in one of his defense classes and get a different perspective. Oh, man. That would be, yeah, that would be a treat. Now, of course, in his words, if you watch one of his videos on YouTube, he'll tell you that you need one of both. You need a Glock and you need a Smith. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and you can look. He actually does a comparison video with Smith and Glock, which one he likes the best. And at the end, it's got him in slow motion, and he says, I think you need one of each. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I need to take his advice and get one of each. I, I think he's being a politician there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's not burning any bridges. Uh. Smart man. Yeah, he, he he is he is intelligent. You can tell that by talking to him. Yeah. So tell us about your first competition, your very first competition. What uh, what did you do to get prepared for it? Um, you know, what were you thinking during the competition? How'd you do? Well, my first competition. I'm not gonna lie. It it was really kind of an unorthodox competition. It wasn't a sanctioned three gun nation thing or any of that. It was kind of a, hey, we're a range trying to start our own version, mm-hmm. which was awesome because it was their first competition. It was my first one. They can do no wrong, right? No, and <laughs> I actually placed third, so oh. I felt pretty good. 
I, w- I went up against a guy who had, was known to be a marksman sharpshooter. I mean, he's uh, you more or less could say he's almost a sniper. If he's not a sniper, I don't really know his background. Yeah. I know he was prior military, but I went up against him, and of course he placed first. And then I never really met the guy that placed second. He um, might have came in later during the shoot because it was kind of come and go as you please. Uh-huh. You know, it wasn't one of those you're going to be there all day on the range things. Right. Uh, so I, we stayed there for a while. I shot, and uh, that played pretty good. It wasn't bad. It was it was pretty fun. They had steel to shoot and clays to shoot. And now what did you what did you use? Did you use the guns that we just talked about? Did you have those have sure those same did. guns? Okay, yep, I sure did. Have those uh, same guns. What kind of uh, what kind of gear equipment were you wearing? Well, at the time, I only had just the minor equipment from Blade Tech, which everything I run is Blade Tech anyway. Um, that's another company that I truly like. Uh, I know Safariland makes great stuff and all them, but but Blade Tech seems to fit my my body type better, mm-hmm. uh, just because I kind of got the whole log effect, the tree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and like again, a tree trunk. You know, there's a thousand different holster companies out there because there's a thousand different body types. Oh yeah, uh, but Blade Tech, I like Blade Tech because it hugs close to your body. And for me, if you think about that in three gun, look at some of the stage setups. If your pistol hangs on something and pulls it out of your holster, that's a DQ. You're disqualified, yeah. You're DQ'd immediately. I mean, that's that's like a match DQ because it's a safety violation. Yeah. I like Blade Tech because it holds into your body, mm-hmm. and it reduces your your whole structure to where you. When you run close to something, you ain't got to worry about it hanging. Right. So you, you're running blade tech holster. What else, yep. what, other, what other kind of gear you got on your first competition? What are you wearing? Uh, I actually picked up... Uh, I'm going somewhere with this. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, AP Customs. I picked up AP Customs at first. Um, they have some pretty good shotgun shell holders. Mm-hmm. But after I went to my actual first three-gun match, the actual sanctioned matches... Yeah, I realized that I need something more. <laughs> yeah. So let's 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 stick with your first one. So okay. Just just tell me what you because I'm going somewhere with this. Yeah. We're, okay. We're gonna, what I want to do is I want to do a progression of where you started, you know, what you're using, and what what you progressed to. Okay. Um. Yeah. AP Custom. I started out with because I thought I needed several shotgun shells in one, which I found out you can get the. Uh, Eight shell holders, which uh-huh. are actually better because it curves to your body more, mm-hmm. instead of getting like one big twelve shell holder that looks like one massive concrete block on your belt <laughs> when right. you have shells in it. So now you're wearing everything on around your waist. Yeah, everything around the waist. Okay, they, do they allow you to have your shells on the buttstock of the gun? Uh, well, it depends on what class you're running. Okay. Um, in practical, I think you you can still do that in practical. Uh, I'm not going to say that, yeah. but um, you know they pretty much don't look at that. However, you can manage holding your shells and everything you need for your division. Yeah. Then you can pretty much run with it. That's kind of like open class. Open class. If you can carry it, you can run with it. <laughs> right. So it has it all. Okay. So everything that we're talking about so far is around your waist. All this gear. Uh huh. So, so far, okay. Yeah. So you got you got magazines, 
for your gun. You've got shells for your, I mean, for your Smith and Wesson. You've got magazines. You've got shotgun shells for obviously your shotgun. Mm-hmm. And what else? Do you have anything else for your shotgun there? I mean, you don't really need anything else for for your shotgun other than just the shells. Yeah, just just the shells, you know. And of course, you have your variations of either birdshot or slug. You may have a mixture shoot. You might be shooting a slug on a couple of targets, and that's the hard part. I got DQ'd on one stage because I shot a steel shot target wrong load. <laughs> with a slug. Oh yeah, it was. They don't the, like that. <laughs> oh, dude, it was the perfect tactical shot. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I was. I was rolling. It felt like I was, it felt like I was clearing a building to just stack. You know, I come around the corner, and as soon as the bead hit the steel, I pulled the trigger, and it rang like like a, a gong, uh, like the Liberty Bell. It rang, buddy, and it sent that it sent that steel target probably a good ten feet. <laughs> oh my gosh! And I'm sitting there going, "Ouch!" I yeah. just stopped immediately and turned and looked at the RO, and he's like, "Is that a slug?" And I said. Yeah. No, I'll keep going. <laughs> if you don't know that was a slug, I'll keep going. <laughs> yeah, he said, well, I thought it had a little bit of pack to it, you know. And Yeah. Because there's a lot of guys that hand load their shotgun shells, and they might have a little bit more punch in there than some. Right, right. Uh, so you can get some bird shot that'll sling some steel. But it ain't going to sound like a slug, though. No, this one was pretty darn obvious. I mean, yeah. and I center punched it. It, it was a little silhouette say, human. Yeah. And I dead centered it right between the eyes. Did you say, "Come on, guys, give me some points for that"? I yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said, "Do I not get credit for that somehow?" Come on. I mean, I mean that was the fastest on-target shot I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I've got a, I've got one for you. You need to go to my YouTube channel, and you may have, you may have watched it. Did you see the videos I posted with Senior Team Leader Garcia shooting the KSG? I probably looked at it once, but I don't. I have to go back and look again. I, I've watched yeah. so many videos. I yeah, try so, to keep up with everybody. <laughs> so the KSG is a pump, you know, bull pump, pump shotgun. So he's shooting uh, slugs into a silhouette. I can't remember the distance, but uh, he put two center mass shots in less. It was like .7 seconds. Just instructor zero. No, this is uh, senior team leader Joseph Garcia okay. with the U.S. Seesaw. Okay, all right, because I didn't know because I, you know, I watched some of those Instructor Zero videos too. Yeah, that dude's um, like lightning too. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 a high speed kind of guy. Go check out that video. Um, okay, he's he's fast. My wife, she gets tickled at me because I get so focused on videos, trying to watch what people do and study yeah. that, you know, I pick up on a lot of stuff that Jerry does, and I, and I watch them. I do. Daniel Horner is another one that I can't wait to shoot with at this Trigicon Challenge. Is he that your next competition coming up? Well, no, that one's in October. Um, okay. I've got just some more basic matches, you know, pretty close to home uh, in the next couple months, but in October, that Trigicon Challenge is a big one. Um you know, all the ammo and the weapons are fronted by Trigicon. Oh, okay. Nice. So, but the entry fee was pretty hefty. It was about $370. Ooh. But, uh... Is that got a full, um... Is it full? Uh, I think it's probably just about full. I'm sure several... 
I mean, I hit it the day it come out because I knew if I didn't, I wouldn't get in. Yeah. Uh, Are you doing the one at Rock Castle? Yeah, that's where it's at. It's at Rock Castle. Okay. I thought that was a Benelli. So they're doing the Trigicons there also. Benelli's having one yeah. there also. Yeah, Benelli's having one there. Um, I'm going to try to jump in to Raleigh Prince is a guy that I've been talking to that shoots three-gun a lot too. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a retired Air Force veteran, and I've been talking with him a lot. He's trying to get me into some of the Atlanta shoots, Atlanta arms. Uh -huh. So I'm going to jump into them as well. Okay, cool. Very good. All right, so so what I was getting to, so I wanted to find out your gear, you know, that you used on your first competition to where you're at now to see, because, you know, it's a learning process for you. You're learning, uh, obviously, and you're going to continue to learn and continue probably to change your equipment and upgrade your weapons and, you know, do things that make you better, faster, quicker. Mm -hmm. um, what have you progressed to now? Are you still running the blade tech? Are you, what have you changed well, I'm slowly switching over all of my magazine hold holsters to the uh, competition Blatech magazine holsters that they have. Mm -hmm. uh, stuff's just kind of gears expensive. Uh, it is. It is. And you know, That's I'm not having any sponsors. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, you you can run with the. And my point here that I'm going to make is, you can run with the basic of basic. You know, don't always think that you need Cadillacs. You can work your way to Cadillacs. Um, just go shoot. Just go have fun. You know, you hear that from everybody, and I didn't believe it until I went and done it. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's like, quit worrying about not having the up-to-speed gear that everybody's got. Just go shoot. Yeah. So I did. <laughs> and uh, heck, it comes. It turns out I'm actually running just fine with what I have for now, uh, which I do need to switch over to some more of the competition-style gear that Playtech has. Which yeah. would be nice. Yeah. Uh, well, like you said, a little less drag, um, more ergonomic for for what you're for what you're doing. Yeah, and um, less hangups. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. and I don't really know. I've been trying to pay attention to people and seeing what types of holsters they're using for their weapons. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really know if I need a retention style holster or not. Everybody's different. Yeah. Um, some people like the retention style holsters just for the added security of hey, not getting DQ'd from a match. <laughs> True. You know. So, but you know, a lot of people run those open holsters like I do. Yeah. It's where it just basically clips in around the uh, trigger well, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And um, that's kind of what mine does. So. Yeah. So you haven't made any real big gear changes or. Um, Switch to Invictus Practical. Okay. Shotgun shell holders. Uh, a guy that I shot with, uh, Chris Weir, uh, uh -huh. he shoots for 2VA. Um, yeah. yeah. I Chris. actually, uh, he showed me, he's like, hey, man, try these Invictus Practicals because I didn't have enough shotgun shell holders for one match. Brittany Starr shoots for them also. Brittany Starr, yeah. She said the same thing. She was there. Uh, she said, here, try these Invictus Practicals, you know, see if you like them. Because I didn't have enough, I needed to borrow some gear from somebody. And that's another cool thing about the community. Everybody's there to help each other out. Yeah. So if you need something to refer a stage real quick, just ask somebody. They'll throw it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, the thing. You know, we, and we talk about this constantly is how tight knit the fires community is. Oh yeah, and I got offered when my Smith and Wesson went down. I got offered somebody else's 2011. <laughs> and You're like, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like. 
mm, I'd like to run with that. And I was like, but I got other Smith and Wesson in my car, so yeah. I, I didn't want to dirty up somebody's. No, you don't want to get spoiled. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Because then I would have turned around and my wife probably would have killed me for spending about $2,500 on a 2011. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, as you start winning more competitions, you know, that'll you come. Could, could pick one up. You could pick one. And you may find that you don't like them. Yeah. And that's another thing. You know, it's just depending on what you get used to. I watched another shooter. I think it's, I don't know if it's Rick Birdsdall or, or who it is, but uh, I've been following somebody on Facebook. I can't remember which one, and I'm, I apologize if it was him. Or wasn't him? Yeah. Uh, somebody is shooting with a Sig, and apparently, absolutely loves the Sig. Of course, you know, Three Gun Nation is sponsored by FNH, so there's mm -hmm. guys out there, and FNH has a program that you can actually get their weapons to compete with. Oh, but really? They have a. It's a pretty stiff little, you know, line of stuff that you have to do, and for right now, I'm not. I'm not able to fill that need. That they require, you know what I mean. So yeah. Now uh, Max Michelle is on the six-hour competition team, mm -hmm. and I, I mean I guarantee he's running a Sig. So um, is, is that who is that who it was that was running the Sig? No, it wasn't Max. Uh, I knew I knew about Max. I know he does six-hour. Uh, I watch him religiously on Hot Shots mm -hmm. with with Jerry. So yeah, uh, he's a uh, he's a landhead friend of the show. Yeah, and you know he's. Of course, he's prior military. That's where he got his start. Mm -hmm. uh, it just shows you. I guess it's in the blood, huh? Yeah. <laughs> military guys like to shoot. Well, I think everybody likes to shoot. <laughs> yeah. Military yeah. guys have just, uh, I guess, been more predisposed to it maybe than others. Uh, and the military right. has competition teams as well. They do. Yeah. Yeah. I know two guys on the pistol marksmanship unit that one, you know, are pretty good friends. Um, Ryan Franks actually worked here in Columbia Fire Department for a little while. Me and him talked quite a bit. Him and his brother just cleaned the shelves at the Perry Camp Perry competitions. By the way. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. His brother is is Patrick Franks. Uh huh. And he's the top pistol shooter for the USAMU. Very nice. So uh, of course Patrick won number one again. <laughs> he is uh, he, he, he's an extremely nice guy. Uh, and of course, Ryan is is his brother, and joined the service with him, and got on the team as well. And from what I understand, I believe Ryan placed second. Very cool. So, you do you have access to these guys to train with them? Uh, Patrick actually said that he's going to try to come up on leave, and he wants to shoot with me some. So, yeah, because uh, he's actually expressed some interest in wanting to get into three gun on his own. Right. Because um, you know the Army has the action team, mm -hmm. which is the three gun team. So. Yeah, I think um, I was talking with Kenny about them. Weren't they in town not too long ago, some of those guys? Well, that was the pistol team. Okay. Yeah. That was the pistol team. Yeah. Uh, they were they were here in Columbia shooting at a small range uh, right out the road that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but apparently it has some history. Uh, some big-name shooters have been there. So. Very cool. All right, so that's a good point that you make, uh, Casey, about you know the equipment. Is you know you don't always have to have the Gucci latest greatest highest tech to be you know to get started. You mm -hmm. know, just just grab what you got and go and learn it on the fly and adjust on the fly. As you get into it, you're not going to know what you need until you start doing it. 
Exactly. You don't know what's going to fit your style and what you need until you get in there and you start doing it. And then, you know, then you're going to learn what you need to adjust and what you need to improve upon. But uh, those are great points. And, man, i got to tell you, I'm very excited again about your your new sponsor with Troy um, because they are uh, good personal friends of mine. It's just cool that we're both going to be sponsoring you now. You know, we're going to oh, be on man. going to be on that jersey. <laughs> I'm just uh, I'd like to see the Troy gray and black with the talking lead logo on there. You know, to 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 have that as the main logo on there too. I'm just like my wife said. I've never she she's never seen me grin that big. <laughs> because cool. that and that kind of goes with the whole military side of things. You know, once you join the military, you kind of lose your smile. Well, yeah. She said, you actually smiled that day. You brought the <laughs> smile back. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> Julie will be pleased as punch to know that. <laughs> uh, so let's get into uh, some of the questions that we ask our first-time guests. Uh, we already know about your law enforcement uh, military. And you're reserve now, right? You're current, currently reserve, is that what you said? Yeah, I'm a National Guard reserve. So National Guard reserve, okay. M-Day soldier. How did you originally get involved with fire? I know you're from a small town. You're in Tennessee. It's probably going to be, you know, the same, <laughs> the same answer that most of us give. But how did you originally get involved with firearms? Well, you know, growing up, my dad he was in the military too. His uh, his brother was in the military, so I was born around it. Um, probably got to do a lot more than some kids did at a younger age, uh, especially with parents being in the military, I actually got to go to the ranges. Oh, cool. You know, when they were firing M16s, and I'm talking what's, the... What's the youngest you remember going to the range? Oh, man. I'm going to say with Dad, it was probably nine years old. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but now I shot a lot earlier than that with 22s. Uh, that was earlier what Dad started me out on, was a 22. Yeah. Uh, you know, taught me right from wrong. You know, taught me all the rights about firearm safety and everything. Because mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was he was born into it too, military. You know, and his right. dad and his dad and everybody else. So, it's a uh, rite of passage. Yep. Yeah. What uh, What was your first gun that you that you had that was yours? I mean, maybe they gave you a gun for a birthday or the first. Well, of course, you know how every parent says, "Well, all these guns are gonna be yours someday." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the first actual gun that was called mine was the Ruger 1022. Um, good one. Then what age was that? Oh man, you're asking me a hard question there. I can't even remember. Was it about uh, the nine, about the nine, ten year old? Yeah, probably ten, eleven, twelve, somewhere in there. I'd say eleven years old, maybe. Okay. It was actually, you know, because I started out with bolt action 22. <laughs> so I've got one. one. Yeah. Putting that single 22 bullet in there. Every time, so that's a great that's a great gun to start, uh, you know, a child on. Uh, for safety reasons, you know, there's only one shot there, so you don't have to worry about them firing off more than you know one round after they shoot it. Then you know it's clear and safe. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's a great gun to start kids off on. Yeah. So you what can about trigger control and everything too? Yeah. What about your first uh, adult gun? Thirty thirty lever action. Nice. That uh, that was the next next one I had was a thirty thirty lever action. Uh, of course, Winchester. I did shoot. Uh, yes, actually, it was a Winchester. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, now the first big boy gun that I shot at twelve was a twelve gauge shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> 
That I don't was, care how old you are. Those things are scary if you've never shot one before. Well, you know, it was kind of one of those I thought that I was big enough to handle it. Yeah. You're just and, not really quite prepared for that kick. No. No. You're never prepared for that kick. Dad handed it to me. He said, all right, it's going to kick. And I said, okay. And it did. It kicked. <laughs> you didn't understand the definition of kick until after you, you shot it. Exactly. And that's kind of where I learned the term kick like a mule. Yeah, I, I spent um, or I shot several rounds with the uh, Barrett 50 cal this weekend, and the kick from a 12 gauge is is worse. <laughs> it is it just is. because just because they've got so much shock absorption built into that 50 bmg anyway. You know the 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 barrel itself is on a spring Recoils. recoil mm-hmm. system too, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean a, 12 gauge was an more kick. And that was an old school 12 gauge, so you know that there's no patent. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. What about your handgun? Uh, let's see. For the handgun, well, you know, it was actually a 22 pistol as well. Yeah. It uh, was a revolver. Okay. So uh, shot like one a, of those. A Ruger? Was that a Ruger mm-hmm. also? I believe it was a Ruger. Um, that was Dad's. I never really messed with it too much. Yeah. Um, and but you know, after that, it was like nine mils and anything I could get my hands on to shoot. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was all uphill from there, right? Yeah, and and that's the good part about living in a small country community is everybody has a firearm. Mm-hmm. So if they know you want to try to shoot something, they're probably going to say, "Well, hey, come with, come with me out here in the field. We'll just go shoot it." No, they definitely will. They're like, oh, "Come on, we're going to go shoot today. Come on." <laughs> yeah. So and of course, Dad knew everybody. Yeah. So that was one benefit to it. Yeah, so, did you grow up in Columbia? No, I actually grew up in a small town uh, in Hickman County. Uh, it's really, I mean, it's very rural. Very. I, I bet it's not any smaller than the one I grew up in. What's What was the town? Uh, you talking about population? No, the name of the town. What was the name of the town? Oh, the town of Centerville. Centerville, yeah. I know where Centerville is. Okay, all right. And, uh, I'm originally from Sparta, Tennessee. Okay. All right, all right. Yeah. Very, very uh, similar type. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very similar type Hicksvilles. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, we, we, we don't really keep much there. <laughs> so, yeah, but just I'm memories. hoping to change. Just yeah, memories. just memories. <laughs> I'm hoping to change a lot of that. Maybe uh, eventually I can bring some stuff back and bring... I want to see hunter safety more, and I want to see more firearm safety stuff like we used to have when I was growing up. Yeah. So well, uh, you're in a position where you can start doing that now. So and I and I think that's a big problem today is kids don't get that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I remember back when I was in school, you know, we had our the whole dare program. The guy came yeah. in, he uh, he pulled his gun out, he pulled the mag out, and he asked us, you know, is the gun unloaded? Kids gave their answers, and then he proved that hey, just because the magazine's out, they're still around in the chamber. He came in, you know, basically taught, taught us the first step of, of firearm safety at that age. And nowadays, they're really not doing that any, anymore. It's it, it's sad. Uh, yeah, and you remember whenever they used to bring the big box of drugs and sit yeah. it in front of everybody and say, this is narcotics. This stuff will kill you. <laughs> yep, yeah. yep. Now, yeah. none of that is happening. At least I don't think it is. I haven't and, seen it. Yeah. Hadn't and heard about it. it. I mean, yeah. it it helped. It it taught the kids in my class. Now, mind you, you know, I had grown up with firearms, so I I knew that that gun was not unloaded, 
but it just proved a point and it, it, it taught the rest of the class, hey, at least now you know a little bit about it. And it, mm-hmm. I mean, it was great. It takes that element of curiosity out that kids have. Yeah, there it is. You know, if they're curious about something, they don't know about it. They want to, you know, they want to find out, and they're going to sneak behind your back, and they're going to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, so you uh, eliminate that curiosity, and you're going to nine times out of ten eliminate any problems. Dad eliminated that curiosity, but I also knew that there was <laughs> there was a belt behind his yeah. words if I didn't listen. <laughs> there were consequences. Yes. Big yes. consequences, and I would wear them. I promise. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. So, when it comes to pop culture, Casey, what what is your go to that's firearms related? Whether it be a book, a movie, um, a song, TV show. Well, what's your, what's your go to? My go to show. I'm not big on a lot of shows because of the whole, if it's not real lifelike, I get kind of mad at that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I get kind of, you know, I hate the fake stuff. Now, you, uh, you can't tell me you didn't like Magnum P.I. growing up. Uh, nah, I didn't really watch it much. You might be too young for that. Well, it come on, but I just didn't, I just didn't watch it much. I, I do remember Knight Rider. Okay. <laughs> One of the cheesiest shows ever. Yeah. I remember Knight Rider. I remember uh, Magnum P.I. Is that right? Not Magnum P.I. Um, MacGyver. 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 Yeah. MacGyver. You know, that was pretty cool coming up with whatever he could to escape the situation. Oh, yeah. But uh, other than that, you know, nothing really. It's A lot of stuff's gun-related anymore. I, I watch a lot of Three Gun Nation religiously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watch videos so I can pick up small tips and tricks. <laughs> yeah, you're in a you're in a a knowledge gathering process right now for your three gun. So that makes yeah. sense that you know you're you're really focused on that, and uh, three gun nation would fit in good with that. And I'm always that I've always been that way. I've always wanted to be the kid to figure out how something works or what's the best way to do something. I was that kid. Or, or a better way. Yeah, there's got to be yeah. a better way. Yeah. If I got quiet... I'm the same way, man. It's because I was trying to figure something out when I was quiet. <laughs> yeah, the, the wheels are spinning. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> sometimes that's a bad thing. Sometimes that's a worse thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it could be a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what is your, what is your next gotta-have bucket list firearm or piece of equipment price be damned laws be damned well don't get me wrong I would love to run with Troy's new three gun rifle <laughs> uh, oh, they haven't built yet <laughs> yeah yeah well they're, they're in development working on it um, you know the firearms that I have I'd love to just actually send my Smith & Wesson to a company called Mod One mm-hmm. heard a lot of good stuff out of them and they were really, they were super nice, and they yeah. seem like they do good quality work. Uh, from the shooters that I've seen who have sent their stuff to Mod One, uh-huh. haven't had any complaints. Dude, I'm telling you, you finish your uh, SDI courses, and you'll be able to do it yourself. And that's exactly kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to uh, send them anywhere, my friend. <laughs> yeah, uh, except for maybe that titanium nitride finish. I don't exactly well, have stuff for that. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so I'd there's like not to, uh, there's not like a like a mini gun that you want to own or a 
an old antique World War One vintage gun or anything like that that you'd like to have? Nah. Nah, you know, I really don't even care to have a Barrett 50. I, I love Barretts. Yeah. Uh, they're great weapons, but I guess I'm a simple person. If if it doesn't uh, if it doesn't help me run my life, then I don't really. It doesn't like serve it. a purpose. You don't need it. Yeah, yeah right. I'm I'm a simple guy. There you go. There you go. That, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. I like that. All right. So I've added a new one. Dave was the first person to to get this question. If you could have a day at the range, I know what your answer is going to be already. <laughs> if you could spend the day at the range with anybody, whether it's a fictional past person, you know, whether they're deceased or whether they're living, who would you want to, who would you pick to spend the day with at the range? Man, that's a tough one, because you know there's two people that I'd like to spend the day at the range with. Uh, and every shooter is probably going to say this, that shoots three gun, and it's Jerry Mitchell. Yep. I knew that's, I knew that's who you were going to say. He is the legend. I mean, he had, he is a wealth of knowledge. He's just, you can't get any more knowledge than a man who has shot that long. Yeah. And uh, he has probably... And he's, and he's a genuinely good guy, too. That's what everybody has said. And, you know, I was actually surprised that whenever I met him at the NRA convention in Nashville, he actually stepped off to the side for like a minute or two and spoke with me because I was using a Mossberg JM Pro shotgun. <laughs> and I thought, I just got Jerry Mitchellick to stop signing autographs and stand here and talk with me about shooting three-gun and hope to see me on the range one day, and that's awesome that I use a Mossberg. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. So, uh, which was kind of amazing, and everybody said he's super nice. So, yeah, I'd yeah, love I mean, to that, was, that was proof in the pudding right there when he stepped aside and, to talk to you. Oh, yeah, and that, uh, that was I was shocked. Of course, I'm one of those I respect their position. You know, those guys earned where they're at, mm-hmm. and I know they're super busy, and yeah. that's the reason why... I have means to contact people, but I don't because I respect them. Yeah, uh, I know they're busy, and they've got a lot. They they they've got big shoes to fill still. So I respect that. Now, when they have time, if they ever have time, I'd love to speak with any of them. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I'm that kind of guy. I respect them. <laughs> well, Casey, I appreciate you taking the time because I know you are a busy man too for being on the show with us. And uh, I'd like to spend some time with you on the range, man, because um, we're both, you know, local here. Next time you're out uh, doing some some practice, and let me know. I'll uh, I'll come down and we'll shoot a little bit together. Oh yeah, definitely. I'd love to. Uh, some of my family actually owns some property with a huge, large church pit. Is where I go and shoot. This place could be developed into a range. I kid you not. And if I could talk him into doing that. We could have like five stages of three gun in this okay. place. <laughs> so, but I, I don't think that don't think that'll ever happen. But never say never. This um, is true. All right, so um, we're going to go ahead and jump into, and now it's time for fact to fight the myth. And Dave has another good one for us this week. Dave, yes, what is I that? Do. Uh, my fact to fight the myth is that... That's hard to say, isn't it? <laughs> you really have to slow down and think about it. I like, feel like Sylvester the Cat from, from Looney Tunes. Sylvester <laughs> the Cat. Yeah, Sweetie Bird. It, it is a mouthful. <laughs> fight the myth. <laughs> All 
All right, so what is your fact to fight the myth? All right, well, my fact to fight the myth is that your concealed carry class is adequate defensive training. Well, that's a fact. What are you talking about? Huh. Well, <laughs> Everybody knows that once you, once you take that, can, that, that carry course, you're a qualified gun expert. Oh, yeah, well, unfortunately, <laughs> some people do think that. The myth is that once you take that, you are now ready for any defensive scenario, that you are now prepared to carry a gun in a d defensive manner. Defensive or offensive, either one, you're not qualified after you take that. <laughs> all that does is give the government entity money, is all yep. that class is for. That's exactly all it is. <laughs> yep. Um, Which, you know, it's great that states like Maine recognize that, and they're like, you know what, just carry and you know, go get training. Save that money that you're spending on our bullcrap license fees. Take that money and get properly trained. Yep. Go to a Rob Pincus. Go to a James Yeager. Go to a Aaron Cowan. Go to a, Definitely uh, Aaron Cowan. a Sergeant Major Kyle Lamb class and, and get proper training, for God's sake. Yeah. You know, the fact, the fact of the matter is, it's uh, the class is a basic handgun safety class, and I don't think that we should be required to take it. Um, I know that, actually, Ohio is striving towards uh, getting rid of it. We've already dropped down the hour requirement, but it's just something that you take that class, it doesn't really teach you much. It's just, in my opinion, a waste of money, and you you could spend your time getting good training from, you know, uh, all those people. A qualified and, expert. Yeah. A qualified expert in the field of defensive training, concealed carry. So so good point, and, you know, we've made that, that point on this show time and time again. Uh, but I don't think it's made the fact to fight the myth, so that's a good one, Dave. Hey, thanks a lot. All right, so we've got Casey back now, and Casey is going to present our trivia question for the week, and I apologize, I didn't do one last week, it completely slipped my mind. Uh, you'll win something from the Talking Ledge stash, but uh, Casey's got uh, the trivia question, so you're going to have to get the question right, and you're also going to have to like his Facebook page, and he's going to post this video on his Facebook page, and he's going to tell you how you can get there after he asks the question. So Casey, go ahead and ask that question. All right, in the Wicked Stage video, how many shots from the Mossberg 12-gauge do I fire? There you go. Simple enough. Uh, we should have a lot of people get this one right. Now, you also have to like his Facebook page, so tell everybody where they can, can get you at on Facebook, Casey. All right, on the Facebook page, if you can go to uh, Casey Griggs 3-Gunner. Uh, you can find it by Facebook.com backslash Casey 3-Gunner. And it will go there, and okay. you can see the question. So is it Casey Griggs 3-Gunner or Casey 3-Gunner? Casey 3-Gunner. But when okay. you actually go to it, you'll see Casey Griggs 3-Gunner. Okay. So the Facebook link is facebook.com backslash Casey 3-Gunner. Okay. And then I'll also post a link on, uh, on Talking Lead's site, so you guys can go there also. Um, but you have to guess... The correct amount of shots that he fires with the Mossberg, and you have to like his Facebook page. I want to see those numbers escalate, Leadheads. So let's get his Facebook page likes way on up there. 
All right, so that brings us to the end of another Talking Lead. And uh, Dave, man, appreciate you being on. Casey, it was a pleasure having you on, man. You guys oh. have any 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 final parting messages or kudos you want to send out? Uh, well, for myself, thanks to all my sponsors. Uh, you know, I've got a bunch of you. I can't name you all, but I'm uh, proud to pick up Troy. Thank you very much, Julie, for picking me up. Talking Lead, loving it. So uh, going to continue to... Hopefully, do more interviews and things with you. Absolutely, um, we're we're going to keep everybody abreast of you know how you're doing your competition. Speaking of, when's your next competition coming up? The next competition should be coming up. You know what? I actually have a schedule on my Facebook page, and I've got to keep up with all those dates because I have so many dates and training and everything going on <laughs> in my head. So you've got a schedule on the Facebook page where people can go and see when your next match is. Yes, and uh, okay. I actually have to update that because I've got the um, Trigicon Challenge coming up in October. Hold on. Are you there? Are you there? I think you disconnected. Casey, talk Ooh. to me. Talk, talk to me. Come back to us, Casey. So we just lost a connection with Casey. He'll be back. Um, and uh, you guys will hear where... Um, and we'll post it again, like I said, on our Facebook page too. But you'll get his schedule and when his next competition is. So, Dave, man, it's been a pleasure. I'd love to have you on again sometime, man. Yeah, hey, for sure, man. I'm I'm all for it. I always have a good time on the show. Well, I have a good time with you on it. Um, I think you're you're a good uh, a good co-host, a good mix. You and I have good chemistry together. Uh, I don't want to sleep with you or anything, but uh, <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Uh, you had your opportunity in Ohio and you blew it. You know. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Those are few and far between. So, <laughs> no, seriously, man. Uh, you know, kudos to you guys. Check out Dave's YouTube channel. It's I Dave Moore. Go to his Facebook page. Hopefully, he'll be getting a T-shirt soon. You know, that's about, that's people, people like people like T-shirts, man. You got to get a T-shirt. Get in the game. I, I do have a, a cool logo. Game, <laughs> you do. You do. I like your logo. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's a very cool logo. Yeah, I, I, I want to get patches made and uh, T-shirts, uh, really, at least to start off just for myself, but maybe they're sell, I don't know. So what do you got? You got anything coming up? Any big major projects? Uh, No, uh, just making content. Try, try to make some content, get, get some good videos out there, and uh, keep work on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Uh, you know, Square Away Surplus, we have uh, maybe some uh, giveaways coming up. I like giveaways. Leadheads like giveaways. Oh, of course. Everybody loves loves a good giveaway. Oh, heck yeah. So if people want to get uh, some gear, um, you know, we talked about it in another show, remind us again what kind of gear we can get at Squared Away. Really, you can get anything. Uh, anything from 511, Flashbang Holsters, Grunt Style, EOTech, Trigicon. I mean, name it. If it's not on the site and you want it, let me know and we can get it for you. Stop by the Facebook page. It is facebook.com backslash squared away surplus page. Give us a like, and there is some details on our giveaway on there. Uh, IG squared away surplus. And you've already uh, started the giveaway. Yeah, it's been going on once we get, I can't, I can't remember exactly how many likes on Facebook, mm -hmm. but just trying to, to get that growing because our, our main goal really is to get some jobs out there for veterans and you know, get that rolling. If we can get the company to grow, then we can ultimately start to have some some jobs available. 
for vets and patriots alike. Cool. like that. So all the more reason for you guys to go and support Squared Away Surplus. Uh, their uh, website is squaredawaysurplus.com. Uh, you'll know you're at the right place when you see the guy in the mohawk with the big grin on his face and the big guns. <laughs> Dude's got some big arms on him. Is that the owner? No, that is uh, one of our reps, Josh. Josh Landry. He's okay. a real cool dude. Um, unfortunately, he's stuck out in one of those unfree states of uh, Connecticut. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, but, we, we need people like him in those states uh, to to stay there and fight the good fight. Don't move away unless it's just completely, totally, you know, you just can't tolerate it. Then, exactly. then move and get away. But, you know, we lose, we lose grounding. We lose support in states like that when people start moving away. Exactly. But yeah, we got you got to stay there and fight the good fight. Yeah. I mean, there's only one way to to, to get change, and that is to uh, to change it. You know, you, you have to be there to, uh, to change. That's that right. And maybe some of us should move to those states. Maybe more of us should move to those states. Maybe that's what we need to do. Hmm. If I were to move, I think I'd have to come down to Nashville, to be honest with you. Well, we're, we're already good. We're good down here as far as that goes. Now, you know, obviously we want you to move down here, but what I'm saying is we make, like, every year a mass group of 2A supporters picks up and moves to, you know, one of these liberal states, and we just freaking infiltrate it for a year. Flood the market. Flood the market and now make waves. And every year we, do, we just pick up and we move. Boom, boom, boom. Wouldn't that be cool? That would probably work, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, another one of my lame brain ideas, but hey, you never know. We'll figure something out one of these days on this show. <laughs> there it is. So, as always, Leadheads, as we try to figure things out, you guys keep your loved ones close. And keep your firearms closer. Fight them, phone. <laughs>